so we are skipping sign two. Well, we're not really skipping it. But I think we're doing it next week. Um, I wanted to do sign three, so we're doing sign three um, this week. Um, so just to recap, we're doing the signs and the sayings from John's gospel. Um, first, we're going through the signs, and then we're going through the sayings. Um, so, yes, we've done one so far. I don't think I was in for it. Can anybody remember what the first sign was? Water into wine, yes, Josh did that, didn't he? So that's recorded if we want to listen to it. Um, and then I think it's Matthew doing the next one. Um, anyway, so we're doing Healing at the Pool today, um, which is John 5, 1 to 15. Now, John 5, 1 to 15 is an amazing story of empathy and hope and the healing power of Jesus. Um, and in our world where, you know, sickness touches so many lives, it's a, just a great opportunity to look. <laughs> that was a good sneeze. Uh, it's a great opportunity just to um, have some kind of important guidance and reminders of who Jesus is in the midst of um, sickness. Um, so let's read the passage together. Um, so from 1 to 15. Later on the occasion of a Jewish feast, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem by the sheep pool, there is a place with a Hebrew name, Bethsaida. I should have asked Josh. Um, its five porticos were crowded with sick people who were lying there, blind, lame, and disabled, waiting for the movement of the waters. In fact, one man there had been sick 38 years. Jesus knew that he had been sick a long time, so when he saw him lying there, he said to him, Do you want to be cured? Sir, the sick man answered, I haven't anybody to plunge me into the pool once the water has been stirred up. By the time I get there, someone else has gone in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Where are we up to in this bit? Stand, pick up your mat and walk around. The man immediate, was immediately cured, and he picked up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Jews kept telling the man who had been healed, It's a Sabbath, and you are not allowed to be carrying that mat around. He explained, It was the man who cured me who told me, Pick up your mat and walk. This person who told you to pick it up and walk, they asked, Who is he? But the man who had been restored to health had no idea who it was. For thanks to the crowd in that place, Jesus had slipped away. Later on, Jesus found him in the temple precincts and said to him, Remember, now you have been cured. Sin no more, for fear that something worse will happen to you. The man went off and informed the Jews that Jesus was the one who had cured him. So there's some really interesting details in that story, lots of them that you know, we're not going to be able to unpack today, but definitely... More to look into um, in this story. Um, so today I want to focus on three things. Um, number one, that Jesus is the ultimate source of life. Um, number two, that there is a promise of life to the disadvantaged. And number three, Jesus puts more importance on our spiritual health than over our physical health sometimes. So number one. Jesus is the ultimate source of life. The healing of a man place takes place around a pool which was known as an area where people could be healed. 
And by the pool, there were lots of people with different illnesses and disabilities. Presumably, they were all gathered there for a chance to be well again. And this is a, an interesting occasion because, you know, usually we see Jesus and he's going sick. He's walking around and sick people are coming to him. And, you know, we see that in so many different stories. But this is a different one. So Jesus is walking into a, a place, a pool area, where there's lots of people with different disabilities. Um, the man's not sought him out, but Jesus is there to seek him out. The man probably hadn't heard of Jesus. He didn't know who he was. And he was putting his faith in, in this pool to be healed um, from his sickness. But I think he was probably at a place where he was losing hope that this would ever happen. You know, the, the verse kind of, it says how long the, the man had been sick for. And, and we see that, you know, throughout the Bible, sometimes it does that. So like the, the woman with bleeding and sometimes he kind of, put an emphasis on how long a person had had a sickness for, just to let us know that, you know, that's a long time. You know, and this is not a short amount of time, is it? 38 years. And we've got to remember that in this time also, they had um, a shorter lifespan. So, you know, this man who's 38, you know, that, that's not elderly in our day and age. Um, well, not he's not 38. He could be 38 or over. Um, but actually, this was like getting on to elderly, sorry for, <laughs> for people over 38, it's not elderly anymore. But in this time, you know, he, he, was, he was an older person um, in this time. And he'd been sick for 38 years, and I think he was probably at a point um, where he was losing all help, hope of becoming well again. He was, by this pool, kind of waiting for something to happen. Um, but, you know, he goes on to explain that he's unable to get in the pool. Um, so we know that the man is sick. He's been sick for 38 years. Um, and we know that he couldn't make it to the pool by himself. He was lying there by the pool, couldn't make it into the waters, which was his hope where he could get healed. But we don't know kind of what his sickness was um, or kind of what, what was um, disabling him. Um, Michael says in his commentary, there we go, John's gospel is not interested in the clinical details or symptoms of the illnesses Jesus cured, only in his ability to make things right by giving life to those in need. So he's not interested in describing the clinical details. He's only interested in Jesus' ability to make things right by giving life to those in need. So this story it illustrates that it's easy to put our hope in, in things, you know, like like the man was putting health, uh, his hope and his health in the in the pool, um, you know, and that's kind of what he was focused on. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know that Jesus could bring him health and wholeness, um, you know. And at that time, medicine wasn't kind of as accessible as it is today. And if it was medicine, it's probably very expensive, and a man probably wouldn't be able to access it. Um, so I guess it was more normal than it would be for us to kind of lie by a pool waiting for this pool to, to heal you. Um, you know, whereas in today's culture, we rely on medicine, don't we? And, um, you know, the doctors and the clinics. And that's kind of where we put our faith and hope. Um, so I guess this story is just a good reminder for us that 
Jesus is the one that ultimately brings us life and hope. Um, he is our ultimate healing. He is the ultimate restorer, whether that's now or whether that's in eternity. He is our ultimate source of hope and healing in life. And, you know, it's rightly so. We, we focus, don't we, on our healthcare system and our medicine um, and all the things that we turn to first. But, and that's a good thing that we take our medicine. We go to the doctors, of course. But I think it's a really interesting kind of shift in mindset of Jesus is first. Jesus is our ultimate life uh, purpose. Jesus is our hope. And I think not that we don't rely on doctors. We, we, you know, we are to go to doctors. We are to get our medicine. We are to seek healing in that way. But this story teaches us that actually we also turn our eyes to Jesus, having him as the forefront of our mind in sickness. And I think that is a, a big shift in our society, in our culture, you know, where it is all about the medicine, all about what medicine can do. And it's not until we've got to our last hopes of that that maybe we turn to other things. But actually, as we kind of seek medicine, as we seek the doctor's help, I think having Jesus at the center of our minds as well, um, I think this story is just a good reminder of that. Um, so point number two is um, the promise of life for the disadvantaged. So I think when we're reading this passage, um, Jesus' question is really interesting. Do you want to be cured or do you want to be healed? And the man's reply to this also stands out as an interesting conversation. You know, when I was reading around um, some commentaries kind of kind of see that quite negatively and I think that's sometimes how we interpret it that do you want to be healed sometimes we can read that negatively like the man doesn't want to be healed and we read into it um, but I found a commentary that was really good and he, he was kind of saying that um, you know this isn't the case Jesus's question is actually quite straightforward he says um, his question is straightforward it carries no hidden rebuke or psychological analysis of the man he is actually asking, what do you want? What can I do for you? Um, you know, so I, f I think that, I don't know about you when you read that story, but I've kind of read it in the past as kind of like a, a hidden rebuke almost. Do you want to be cured? Is, is he questioning a man's motives? What's going on here? Um, but I think this is really interesting just to think of it as, no, it is a straightforward question. He is asking, what do you want? What can I do for you? And I think this is something we can take forward um, in our lives, you know. When we see someone that's maybe sick, um, maybe, you know, not necessarily cold or something, but, but something maybe longer term, um, something, um, you know, that they've had longer, might be something that's been going on for a while. I think maybe we can jump in and ask for prayer, say, oh, yeah, we want to pray for healing for this person, which might be fine, might be what the person wants. But I think Jesus' question is really good. Like, what can I pray for you for? What can I do for you? So you're not presuming that that person wants prayer for that specific thing. They might want prayer for something else. But it's actually asking that person what they want, I think, is something we can take away from that. Um. And I think the man's answer has also been seen as negative in the past. You know, he doesn't answer Jesus's question with, yes, I do want to be healed. And um, he tells Jesus a story of what he's been going through. Um, 
often, you know, as we read a story, sometimes we don't have much empathy for the man. Sometimes he's seen as, you know, whinging and complaining about the situation that he's in. Um, but actually, his answer is quite a valid depiction of what it's like to be sick and marginalized. Um, he tells Jesus how he has no one to take him into a pool and... I think he was hoping, really, that Jesus would take him into Paul. You know, he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know that Jesus could heal him. He thought he was just a random guy asking, you know, do you, do you want to be well? Um, and so the man tells him this story in hope that Jesus will take him to the pool. Because at, at the pool, actually, you know, people who have friends or family can ha- go to the pool easier. People that maybe have less debilitating kind of sicknesses can can get to the pool earlier and the man has been um, disadvantaged by this um so we think that's kind of doesn't happen today but it still kind of does in a way we all have good access to healthcare, which is amazing and um, you know and the nhs is for everyone but we've still kind of got the societal kind of disadvantages for sick people i was talking to um, a lady in hospital the other day as part of my work um, and she was just jokingly telling me, um, every time I come in hospital, I'm always sat next to the person who has like cards everywhere, got the headphones, got all the changes of clothes, you know, got the family bringing them all the sweets and everything that they need. Um, and she was jokingly saying this, but she was an elderly lady who didn't have any family. She had one neighbor that could sometimes come and visit her, but other than that, didn't have any visitors. And so, you know, she didn't have necessarily her own clothes. She, she had what the hospital had, and, you know, the hospital could provide them combs and, and do their best. But because she didn't have family and friends in that situation, actually, she was at a disadvantage. Uh, and that's similar to the kind of the situation at the pool, you know. You know, she will get hopefully the same clinical kind of medicine and everything that everybody else will get. But society-wise, she didn't have the friends and family, and so was at a disadvantage um, to have access to things. So it still goes on today. Um, Let's see. It's not so this is a painting I came across by um, Hogarth. Um, it was done for St. Bartholomew's Hospital in London, and it's of the healing of the pool. Um, in popular tradition, lots of uh, figures, uh, the guys with walking sticks and bandages and everything, um, were painted based on um, the people at, at the hospital, apparently, but they're not sure that that's true. But anyway, it's a nice story. Um, <laughs> so... The purpose of the painting um, was to pour up in hospitals and, and give um, people who, who were sick hope that actually, regardless of your circumstance, you know, Jesus is caring and compassionate for everyone, no matter who you are. The pool has its inequalities, you know, not everyone can make it to the pool, but Jesus is for all. He can give life and healing to all. Um, and just some of the, the ones you can see this lady who's very naked and she's a, r- a rich lady um, apparently although she's got no clothes but she's she's rich and her servants are stopping um, the, the mum with the baby that's poorly from getting to the pool um, because she's rich and she's got all the servants um, but Jesus is here and he's offering hope to, 
to the man who's been there the longest. And so this was um, put up in hospital just to give patients hope, show them that um, people, you know, Jesus is there for all. Uh, so I just thought that was a really nice kind of thing. Um, so, so, yeah, Jesus promises life and compassion to the disadvantaged. Um, so the next part, um, we're just going to focus on the towards the end of the passage. Um, so again, it it's, can be taken as quite negatively. It says, remember now you have been cured. Sin no more for fear that something worse will happen to you. And as a reader, this takes a, a little bit of a shock to us, doesn't it? Like sin hasn't been mentioned so far in this story. But suddenly Jesus um, comes back and finds the guy because actually... Jesus kind of disappears off once the healing's happened and then Jesus seeks the man out later and finds him in the temple and um, tells him this. Um, so sin hasn't been mentioned so far in this um, story. Um, but we see in some other instances, um, in Matthew 9, um, the paralytic man who's um, you know, sent through the roof by his friends, um, Sin is mentioned kind of along with the healing. So um, Jesus says, for which is it, is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to rise and walk? Um, and in John 9, um, Jesus meets a man who was born blind and he heals him. And Jesus in this, this one makes it clear to the disciples that the man wasn't born blind because of his sin, his parents' personal sin. Uh, and so sin has been kind of mentioned along with healings um, in quite a few encounters. But um, in this one, there's no mention previously, and then it just kind of comes in at the end. Um, so I, th I think what we can take from that is Jesus's encounters with people when he heals them. It's always a personal encounter. It's always for that person. There's not necessarily like a blanket kind of rule almost but when he encounters people and has compassion and um, it's a personal encounter for that person at that time um, and and we also need to remember that we're along with the physical healings Jesus isn't necessarily just concentrated on the physical and um, you know a lot of the time he's more focused on the spiritual healing as well the spiritual wellness of the people and sometimes that comes along with the person needs healing that maybe to open their eyes to become spiritually well. Um, but this story is just a little bit different. Um, and Michaels, again, from the commentary says, you know, with sin and healing when they're mentioned together, at most there is an analogy between sin and sickness and that both lead to death or not, depending on circumstances and severity. Um, so uh, at most uh, is an analogy. There's a similarity, but they're not necessarily linked. Um, we see in, in kind of a lot of the stories. Um, it's more that the healing of the body and the healing of the spiritual is kind of in interwoven, um, it, like in this case. Um, so we see for the man at the pool that there's something worse that Jesus mentioned. It's probably death spiritually. He's, he's been healed, he's well, but actually the man had no prior knowledge of Jesus. After the healing, he still didn't know who Jesus was. Um, 
And then Jesus comes to, he seeks him out at the temple and he tells him, you know, sin no more, um, well, otherwise something worse will happen to you. So he's been physically healed and now the man, now Jesus is coming and saying, now you need to be spiritually well. But actually, you know, this, the, the healing of the man was just, it was pure grace by Jesus, really. The man showed no faith. He didn't seek him out. Jesus sought him out. This is a healing of pure grace. Um, whereas some of them we see, you know, faith's involved, they've sought him out. But, but this healing um, just stands out as a little bit different. And I think as well, we see that the man, I don't think he necessarily became born again from his healing. You know, we're not kind of shown that he did show any faith, okay, he was healed. Um, but after that, he... He knows about Jesus, he knows who he, who he is, but he goes and tells the Jewish leaders about him, and that's kind of the start of a long process that leads to Jesus' death. Um, and in John eleven forty five to 46, it says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So, yeah. We don't really know, but there's no kind of showing that the man was born again in this situation. Um, and this man kind of tells the Jewish leaders and starts the ball rolling with Jesus's persecution. Uh, and the Jewish leaders, um, you know, they're less interested in the, in the miracle of healing, but they're more interested that this man's picking up his mat on a Sabbath and walking around, which is forbidden. And um, they are not astounded that the man has become physically well and... Um, you know, their focus is on the, the law. Um, and because they and the man were not spiritually whole, they were not recognizing Jesus as the giver of life and the fulfillment of the law, which ultimately led to Jesus' death. And I think what we can take from this passage is that, you know, we can be physically well, we can be physically healed and restored, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're spiritually well and spi spiritually whole. Um, and we see, don't we, throughout, you know, the whole of the New Testament, Jesus really puts an emphasis on spiritual wholeness, that you are awake, that you are alive, that you are given life in the spiritual. Um, and although the physical is important, you know, think of all the people in that, you know, portico around the pool that, that weren't healed as well. There, there was one man that got well, but think there's probably a lot of people that weren't. Um, well, because Jesus' focus tends to be on people becoming spiritually whole. Um, so I've just got a little video from The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen some of The Chosen. It's a really good series, but um, yeah, this is him talking to little James. If it works, I might edit it. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. Um, forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak, it's a very good quality. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question, please. So you're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. <laughs> Forgive me, I just find 
that difficult to imagine with my condition, which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you, right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. to know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this, to know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body, to show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, they're so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David, that I've fearfully and wonderfully made. But it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the Father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
when you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven, where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others. Oh, what a sight. I can't wait to hear your stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James. Remember. You will be healed. It's only a matter of time. I think that's just a, I don't know, you know, it's not kind of in scripture or anything, but it's a, a nice exchange, isn't it? And kind of a nice conversation of, of what kind of Jesus says to, says to um, people. Um, so, yeah, just to finish up, here's a reminder of the three points um, that we've taken from the passage this morning. Um, but Jesus is the ultimate source of life. Um he is the promise of life to the disadvantaged and that Jesus puts the most importance on our spiritual health. So I think, um, you know, we can put this stuff into practice by treating people who, who are sick as, as individuals, as, uh, as people who we show compassion and empathy for, um, like Jesus does. Um, so let's just pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that that you um, stand with us through stories like this, that um, you are found in these passages, you are found in our lives. Um, every way we turn, you're with us, whether, um, you know, we see healing or we don't see healing um, in, in this day and age. Um, you promise us life and you promise us love and you promise us healing and eternity and um, we just thank you for this, this sign of, of the man by the pool and, and just that everything that, that can still teach us today um, in our lives, God. And we just pray that you would keep talking to us and, and keep teaching us um, about these kind of things as we walk in life. You know, we don't 
have all the answers um, uh, and scripture's hard to kind of grapple with and interpret but um, what we do know is that you give us life and that you love us God and you are always with us you never leave us God and we just pray that um, as we kind of go forward in our everyday is that we can be like you God but we can um, help those at a disadvantage we can help bring life to people we can help Pray for people for what they need prayer for, and that we can we can just be you in this world where there is so much um, going on. You know, we've seen in all the newspapers, and um, you know, there's just so much stuff that goes on, God, and and we know that the world needs your love and needs your healing, and we just pray that we can be that for people, God. Thank you.